Yes! Welcome to the very first edition of the Catalina Wine Mixer, where wines are discussed and may be consumed live. From 24 stories up, I am Frank Catalina. I'd like to start off by saying this show is sponsored by nobody. So if you're a company and would like to pay me, I'll gladly take your money. Name your price, set your terms, and I'll obey no questions asked, because I am pathetic. Anyways, we have a bunch of items to discuss that need to be crammed in before my free time limit is up. So let's stop wasting time and dive right into it. Later on in the show, I'm going to reveal my picks and analysis on the games for a wild wildcard weekend slate of games. But first, I'd like to address some issues that are on my mind. The big news today has been... The Raiders are shopping Derek Carr. And before I really dive into that, I'd like to stress the importance of stability when it comes to the NFL. So if you look at the past four Super Bowl teams, usually you need a A or an A plus in three out of the four categories, which are quarterback, head coach, general manager, and owner. And out of the past four Super Bowl teams, three of those four teams match up to my criteria. In 2018... We had the New England Patriots. We know it was Brady, Belichick. Belichick was also also the GM. And then, of course, Robert Kraft in 2019. Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, Brett Veach is the GM, and then the Hunt family. So you have the quarterback, head coach, and owner, A++. 2020 is the exception with the Tampa Bay Bucs, but really that was because of Tom Brady. Bruce Arians, I'd say he's like a B head coach. Jason Licht who previously worked with the Patriots and Eagles, is a pretty good GM as well. And then the Glazer family, who previously won a Super Bowl back in 2002. So it wasn't all Brady. And then, of course, last year you had the 2021 Rams with Stafford, who I think is an A quarterback, McVay, A+, Les Snead, A+, and Stan Kroenke, A+. So with that being said, I want to review Derek Carr's body of work on the Raiders with zero stability. 2014 enters the league. Head coach was Dennis Allen, but was fired in the middle of the season for Tony Sperano. Offensive coordinator was a guy named Greg Olson. No, not the tight end for the Panthers. And is currently an offensive assistant for the Rams. They finished 3-13. Carr had a 76.6 quarterback rating. 21 touchdowns, 12 picks. His rookie year. Okay, put that to the side. Second year, new head coach, defensive head coach, and Jack Del Rio. Offensive coordinator, Bill Musgrave who is currently the offensive coordinator for the California Golden Bears in the Pac-12. Carr, drastic improvement, 7-9, 91.1 quarterback rating, 32 touchdowns, 13 picks. Year 3, 2016, same staff, some stability, went 12-4, got eliminated from the wild card, finished 3rd in MVP voting, 96.7 quarterback rating, 28 touchdowns, 6 picks. Now in 2017, same coach in Jack Del Rio, but they switched up the offense. They hired Todd Downing, who is currently the offensive coordinator for the Titans. Yeah, he's doing a great job over there. And Rio was fired with one game to go. They finished 6-10. and Carr had an 86.4 quarterback rating, 22 touchdowns, 13 picks. Then his fifth year, 2018, that's when the Raiders hired John Gruden. Yes, an offensive-minded coach, but was out of the league for nine years. Then they rehired offensive coordinator Greg Olson. Team finished fifth worst in points per game. They finished 4-12. Carr had a 93.9 quarterback rating, 
19 touchdowns, 10 picks. Another switch in coaching. Then the second year under Gruden. This is the year before they moved to Vegas. Finished ninth worst in points per game, but Carr did finish ninth best in passing yards per game. They went 7-9, 100.8 quarterback rating, 21 touchdowns, 8 picks. So drastically improved numbers from the year before with the same staff. However, Gruden's not a good coach, so they finished 7-9. Then in 2020... Again, same staff, team finished 10th best in points per game and 7th best in passing yards per game, again, because Gruden's a bad coach. They finished 8-8, eight and eight, but Carr had 101.4 quarterback rating, 27 touchdowns, 9 picks. So now at this point, heading into the 2021 season, which was last year, you now have coaches entering their third and fourth year, big year expected for the Raiders. They started off 3-0. But then, of course, the Gruden emails resurfaced. They were replaced by a man, I can't pronounce his last name, but he's currently the Green Bay Packers special teams. Still, the team finished smack in the middle for points per game, but also sixth best in passing yards per game. On top of that, even with the coaching carousel, still made the playoffs at 10-7, and but then lost in the first round to the defending AFC champs on the road and on the final play. He finished the season with a 94 quarterback rating, 23 touchdowns, 14 picks. Now this year, heading into this year, I thought this was going to be Carr's breakout year. Josh McDaniels is a really good offensive-minded coach. I don't know how he is as a head coach, but a good offensive-minded coach. But again, another new system. Obviously, the, the wheels fell off. They did not do too great. And honestly, Carr didn't have a great year either. 86.3 quarterback rating, 24 touchdowns, 14 picks. Not terrible, but put yourself in Carr's position. The years that he has had the same staff, same offense for two years in a row, that would be the 2016 season when they finished 12-4 and in a wild card berth. He also finished third in the MVP voting. In 2019, they finished... 7-9, and nine with, and he also had 100.8 quarterback rating, but that was also an improvement from 4-12 and 12 in the year before, so a lot better still. And then also in 2020, they also, again, finished 8-8, eight and eight, but with a 101.4 quarterback rating, 27 touchdowns, 9 picks. And they also finished great in points per game and yards per game, passing yards per game. Listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Derek Carr is the perfect quarterback. I don't think he's a top 5 quarterback. I don't even think he's the top 10 quarterback. But all I'm trying to say is that this guy has never had a fair chance in this league to excel to his highest potential. I think this is the best thing for him. Put him on a team that shows stability and he can actually do some things, especially if he is put into the NFC because the AFC is loaded with quarterbacks. Behind Brady and Rodgers, he may be the best quarterback. Maybe not right now, but a few years with a system... He could become the best quarterback in the NFC, hands down. Also, I want to say one thing. I think the chances of him of getting traded are pretty slim to none because, number one, he has a no-trade clause, so he can pick and choose who he wants to go to. And the second thing is the Raiders need to get rid of him by, I think it's a week after the Super Bowl. It's right smack in the middle of February, or else they're going to have to pay him his signing bonus for the upcoming years, and they're not going to do that. So... If he's not traded before mid-February, he's gonna they're just going to cut him. And I think teams are going to sit back, kind of wait, let the Super Bowl play out, and then, I don't know, you might have an aggressive team like the Jets who might throw a bunch of picks to the 
Raiders when they can't say no. And, and, and that's even if Carr wants to go to the Jets. But again, I think the chances of him of getting traded are pretty slim. I think he's going to eventually get cut and then he'll be free to sign wherever he wants. And hopefully it's in the NFC. Speaking of quarterbacks, I mentioned before how the AFC is stacked with quarterbacks. So because of that, I would like to rank my top 14 quarterbacks, the quarterbacks that are currently remaining in the playoffs. Number 14, got Skylar Thompson. Yeah, who? Skylar Thompson, seventh round pick. Obviously, he's filling in for Tua. Miami has a raw deal. I'm not the biggest fan of Tua anyways, but Skylar Thompson is my 14th best quarterback remaining in the playoffs. 13th, I don't know, pick who you want, Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown. Doesn't matter to me. Neither of them are great. That's number 13. I'm not going to waste too much time on them. Number 12 is going to be Geno Smith. Now, I know some people are going to hear that and be like, oh, yeah, but he finished top five in quarterback rating. You know what? The eyes don't lie. And in the last eight games, finished three and five, had 15 touchdown passes, seven picks, and Seattle is a sinking ship. They're going to get smoked by the Niners. I don't care about the fact that they lost them twice in the regular season and it's hard to beat a team three times in a year. It is. But I don't see Geno Smith pulling anything out of his ass for this game against that defense. On the road, I'm sorry. Geno Smith is my 12th ranked quarterback. Now, before I get into number 11, just want to let everyone know I am a diehard Giants fan. But at the same time, I am also a realist. I don't like Daniel Jones. I don't think he's that good of a quarterback. Sure, he can run. And obviously, Brian Dable is working wonders with what he's done this year. Coach of the year, in my opinion. But Daniel Jones is my 11th ranked quarterback. Daniel Jones only has 15 passing touchdowns this, this year. That's tied with Marcus Mariona, who only played 13 games and is also considered a running quarterback like Daniel Jones. It's just one more touchdown pass ahead of Kyler Murray, who only played 10 games, Matt Ryan, who's 74 years old and also played 12 games, and Mac Jones, who, quite honestly, I don't think is that good. 15 passing touchdowns this year is only one less than Russell Wilson, who had a coach with Down syndrome. And Jimmy G only played 10 games. 15 passing touchdowns is also only two less than Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy, who only played six games. I understand Daniel Jones brings his legs to the table. He's rushed for over 700 yards. Good for him. But you also got to be able to throw the football. Like Josh Allen, for example. He runs, but he also slings it. Daniel Jones does not sling it. And I don't want to hear about his touchdown-to-interception ratio. Interceptions, to me, aren't the worst thing in the world. If you throw too many, yeah, it's pretty bad. But if you throw the fewest amount in the NFL, you're now like on par with like an Alex Smith or even like a Mac Jones. Game manager type, not taking any chances down the field. Unless you're like Brady, who's been in the league for 20 years and is the GOAT. Or an Aaron Rodgers, who's one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. Those guys can get away with leading the league in touchdown-to-interception ratio. Not a guy like Daniel Jones. And trust me, I've watched every snap from the Giants. There's a lot of times when Dable takes the ball out of his hands because he just doesn't trust him. Second and three or shorter, second and two or second and one. Those are the opportunities where offenses thrive on and take a shot down the field. If it's an incomplete pass... Then they have third and short. I've seen games more than once where it was second and one and the Giants will do a QB sneak just to get the easy first down and just to keep moving the football. They don't trust him. The only time he threw 
for over 40 times in a game this year was against the Vikings, who have one of the worst passing defenses in the league. And even in that game, he only threw one touchdown. I'm not a fan of Daniel Jones. I am praying they don't re-sign him. If the Giants went out and got Derek Carr, I'd be a happy, happy man. Number 10, I'm going Brock Purdy. 6-0 in six games, 13 touchdowns, three picks, an average of 16 points of point differential in those wins. Now, he's had two rocky games, and they were both on the road. The first was against their upcoming opponent, the Seattle Seahawks. In Week 15, that was his first road game. Obviously, Seattle is one of the toughest home crowds to play against. Still had a QB rating of 117. And then in Week 17, the Niners barely beat the Las Vegas Raiders 37-34. But at the same time, he did his part by putting up 37 points. In addition to that, this upcoming game, it's not a road game. So I think Brock Purdy is pretty good. And he's my 10th best quarterback currently left in the playoffs. Number nine, Dak Prescott. I think he's a mediocre quarterback. He's got a great team around him. All right, maybe this year's team isn't as good as years in the past, but they're still pretty decent. They have a decent running game. They have a great defense. And I'm sorry, he's still a CeeDee Lamb. I know his weapons aren't spectacular, but blame your ownership for trading away Amari Cooper. And also look yourself in the mirror, Dak, because... The reason why they got rid of Amari Cooper is because of your contract extension. Now, I said what I said about interceptions, but he leads the league in interceptions with 15 tied with Davis Mills. They're also 1-4 in their last five road games. This is a road game coming up. The Cowboys are up there in terms of points per game, but that's really because they like to pile it on. There's a lot of games where they just scored 30, 40 plus points, but he's also had a few stinkers. To be honest with you, I'm not even really going to hold last week against him with the Commanders when he only put up six points because that was a tough game for the Cowboys. Didn't really know if it was going to be significant or not. Maybe their heads weren't in it. Whatever the case is, I'm not going to hold that against them, but still, ninth ranked, I'm putting him behind Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is who he is. Puts up good numbers, always flops in the playoffs. This is going to be a huge test for him coming up this weekend. And not only this weekend, but if they win moving forward. Can't take away the fact that he's 11-0 in one-point scoring games this year. I'm taking Kirk Cousins. This was also tough for me because of everything I just said about Kirk Cousins, but I'm putting Jalen Hurts at number seven. I think if he is 100% healthy next week, I, I, I would keep him at the number seven spot. If he is hurt, then maybe he, seven's a little too high for him. But he's had a great year. He was in the MVP conversation leading up to a couple weeks ago. I'm putting Jalen Hurts at number seven. At number six, I'm putting Tom Brady. Tom Brady's the GOAT. I know he's old. I know he hasn't had the best year. But I'm still taking him in a big playoff game over anyone else I just listed. Now, I just listed nine quarterbacks. The bottom two are in the AFC and Skylar Thompson and Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown. The top five quarterbacks, and I don't think this is really much for discussion, are all in the AFC. And you could flip-flop them either way, but this just shows how stacked the AFC quarterback class is. Number five, I have Justin Herbert. It's a coin flip between him or Trevor Lawrence, who I have at number four. If you want to put Lawrence at five, cool. I'm just putting Lawrence at number four because he's been playing better as of late, but both of them are young and have spectacular futures ahead of them if they stay healthy. Number three is my guy, Josh Allen. And that's really no knock when you have Mahomes and Burrow ahead of him. I personally think this is going to be Allen's year. I think the Bills are actually going to make it to the Super Bowl. It's a shame that Buffalo won't see a home playoff AFC championship game because of what happened. And I actually agree with what the NFL did because of the tough circumstances. But I just think it's Josh Allen's year. Josh Allen's number three, in my opinion. Number two, I'm putting Mahomes. 
I, I know he's had a spectacular year. He's going to win MVP, but you can't put him ahead of Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has beaten him in the AFC Championship game last year at Arrowhead. And he also beat him head-to-head this year. I'm putting Joe Burrow ahead of Mahomes. And that's as of right now. Mahomes goes on and wins another Super Bowl, then sure, I'll bump him up to number one. But as of right now, Joe Burrow seems to have his number. And I'm putting Joe Burrow ahead of Patrick Mahomes. Joe Burrow is on a different level. So are the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they're the best team coming into the playoffs. Look out for the Bengals. Just want to take a moment and say, I hope everyone's having a great day. And whoever's listening, I really appreciate you listening. I hope your day's certainly going better than mine because I had some shit going on at my house last night. I had a girl sleepover and I woke up at like six in the morning to feeling something warm and realized that she wet the fucking bed. And I flipped. I was like, what the fuck? I woke her up. I was like, Jesus Christ, my bed soaked. She's like, oh yeah, sorry. I eventually called her an Uber and got her out of there, but all day... I've been washing sheets. My new mattress is exposed. Sprayed some solution on it. Some, some, I don't know. I looked it up online. I poured baking soda all over it. I have to let that dry for eight to ten hours. What a fucking disaster. Safe to say that she's certainly never coming back here again. All right. So before I get into my pick segment, just want to go over the AFC picture and the seedings as well as the NFC. First round by number one seed, Kansas City. Second seed, Bills. Third, Bengals. Fourth, Jaguars. Fifth, Chargers. Sixth, Ravens. Seventh, Dolphins. And in the NFC, first round by and first seed, Philadelphia Eagles. Second, 49ers. Third, Vikings. Fourth, Bucks. Fifth, Cowboys. Sixth, Giants. And seventh, Seattle. So let's get into my picks. For the record, I'm not an expert. If my picks go 0 for 5, don't flood my shit. If you bet a lot of money on these, then it's a you problem. I'm just casually giving my opinion and and my picks for the week. So here we go. Game number one, Saturday afternoon at 4.30. It's Seattle at San Francisco. I'm going to provide lines, which I am getting off of DraftKings. I know different sports books have different numbers. So the Niners opened up at minus 10. Then a day later, it dropped to minus 9.5, and, and it's still at minus 9.5. What can you say? It's a big game. Geno Smith versus Brock Purdy. Geno Smith, hot start. Like I said before, finished 3-5. and five. And Brock Purdy has stepped in and played exceptional. He's, he's very much like Jimmy Garoppolo. Fits very well in Shanahan's offense, but he's actually younger and more mobile and has been playing better. 49ers are on an absolute tear. Seattle sucks. I'm taking the Niners at minus nine and a half. The second game, Saturday night, 8-15. The Chargers at Jacksonville. This is the battle for the best QB hair. Look at the locks on Herbert and Lawrence. This line opened up at Jacksonville plus one. It is now Jacksonville plus two and a half. This is a tough game for me. I, I love both Herbert and Lawrence. They're both young and have zero playoff experience. I know Lawrence is a little younger, but he's also played in huge games throughout his entire life with the Clemson National Championship games. The biggest mismatch I see in this game is head coaching. Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl. He's an offensive coach. The Jaguars haven't won their last five games. The Chargers are pretty hot as well. They've won four out of their last five games. I couldn't believe they kept in the starters up until the fourth quarter. What a 
big mistake by Brandon Staley because now we don't, we don't even know if Mike Williams is going to be healthy or not. Brandon Staley is a defensive coach and their defense isn't even that great. LA is 28th in rushing yards allowed. They are 7th in passing yards allowed, but 22nd in points per game allowed. I'm not really quite sure who's going to win this game. When it opened up at 1, I was really iffy on picking either team, but now that's plus 2.5. Why not buy the half point and go plus three on the Jaguars? I would certainly do that. I like that bet a lot better. So I'm taking the Jaguars at plus two and a half or plus three. The third game, which is the first of Sunday, early Sunday game, we have Miami at Buffalo. Now, now this line has been going all over the place. It opened up at Buffalo minus ten and a half. Then it dropped to nine, I believe, on Tuesday, which was surprising to me because I never really thought Tua had a chance to play in this game anyways, but then when it became official that he wasn't going to play, now it's Buffalo minus 13, which is insane. I've said before, Josh Allen's my guy. I think this is their year. I think they're going to smoke Miami. Miami cannot go into that game confident in Skylar Thompson. He's been pathetic. One touchdown, three picks so far this year. I think the Bills are just going to run away with it. I like the Bills, minus 13, even though I wouldn't even recommend betting that because the line is so high. What I would recommend doing is taking a teaser with Buffalo and the Niners. You can get Buffalo at minus 7 and the 49ers at, I believe, minus 3.5. Either way, I think that's a golden bet if you teaser Buffalo and San Francisco together. The fourth game, my New York Giants going to Minnesota. Sunday, 440 game. I have no idea what to expect from this game. Minnesota is a three-point favorite at home. That line has not moved at all. A lot of people in the media have been saying they love the Giants, which scares me. It's odd because I have faith in Brian Dable, but I don't know what to expect out of Daniel Jones. Again, this is a game with one of the worst passing defenses in the league. Can Daniel Jones sling the football? Can he throw three touchdowns in a game? I don't know. Let's see. On the flip side, now you have Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. I don't think he's going to be as bad as he has been in years past in the playoffs. I'm not really sure who's going to win this game, but I will say I do expect a close game. In a close game, I would always take the points. So that's why my pick would be Giants at plus three. The fifth game is a Sunday nighter. Baltimore Ravens at Cincinnati. Now, this game is intriguing to me. The line opened up at six and a half. Again, this is with knowing that Lamar Jackson most likely wasn't going to play. Then it moved to seven. Then yesterday it jumped to eight and a half. And now today it's at minus nine and a half for the Bengals. Obviously, a ton of people are betting the Bengals. I loved the game at six and a half, seven. Eight and a half was pushing it. Now nine and a half, that's a really high number for me. I've said this before. I think the Bengals are the hottest team coming into the playoffs. I think Joe Burrow is the best quarterback remaining in the playoffs. Nine and a half points is a lot when two teams are playing for the third time. And of course, they're in the same division. I don't think the Ravens have any shot to win this game with their quarterback situation going on. But I will say the Ravens do know how to make Joe Burrow uncomfortable. On top of that, they have serious offensive line issues. Last week when they played, they could not run the football at all. When the line opened up at six and a half, Cincinnati was my pick, my favorite pick. Now that's nine and a half. I'm going to have to take the Ravens and the points. Even though I think the Bengals are going to win, clearly, I think 9.5 is still a lot of points. And the Ravens are still a well-coached team with Harbaugh. I'm going to take the Ravens at plus 9.5. 
Then the final game, Monday night game. Another game that's driving me absolutely insane. Dallas at Tampa. Tampa opened at plus three. The line has moved to plus two and a half. Brady 7-0 against Dallas. The only problem with me picking the Buccaneers is this. Brady's last year in New England when they lost at home to the Tennessee Titans, who, by the way, were 9-7 and that year, and Brady threw the pick six to solidify the game for the Titans. I feel like that's very similar to this year because of the speculation of what Brady's going to do. His last year in New England, people didn't really think he was going to move on because he's been with New England forever, but it still was a possibility. I believe retirement might have even been on the table as well. Either way... That level of uncertainty lasted throughout the entire year, and the same thing is going on this year, because Brady already moved on from New England to Tampa. Now people are all assuming that he's either going to go to Vegas or San Francisco, which I agree with, and the fact that he's not completely sold on this organization leads me to believe that Dallas is going to win this game. However, on the flip side, this is another road game for Dallas, 1-4 and four in their last five. They can't beat Tom Brady, Brady 7-0 against them, and Tampa's been playing pretty well offensively, not last week because they took their starters out in the second quarter, but the week before that, that's when Brady threw three touchdown passes to Mike Evans, so things are starting to click. This is a really tough one, and my motto is, when it's a really tough game to pick, Always take the points. I would take Tampa. I would actually buy a half point in this one, plus three. I'm going to take Tampa in the points, plus two and a half. It doesn't really matter because I don't see the winner of this team moving on past the second round anyways. So I'm going to take the Buccaneers plus two and a half. Just to recap, my favorite pick is Jacksonville plus two and a half. My second favorite pick would be the teaser between the Niners and the Bills. Third would be Giants plus three. Fourth would be Tampa plus two and a half and the fifth would be the Ravens at nine and a half and that is really a bummer because all week all week I've been tracking the sports book and I loved the Bengals minus six and a half I loved them that was my number one pick but of course now it's nine and a half even at eight and a half I was like you know what maybe I can take them there but I don't know I don't really I don't like how it's trending and nine and a half points is a lot in a divisional game third time meeting in the year other notables that I like, I really like the Tampa Dallas under 45 and a half. I don't see the Dallas offense going off. And even though Brady and Mike Evans started clicking in week 17, I don't really see them teeing off off Dallas either. I can see this being kind of an ugly matchup. A lot of three and outs for Tampa, maybe some turnovers for Dallas. I like under 45 and a half for that game. The other one I really like is Giants Vikings under 48 and a half. In the playoffs, really tight around the collar for a lot of guys the pressure really gets to them every play means just a little bit more feels a little bit bigger than it does in the regular season the fact that these two teams played just a couple of weeks ago I don't see the Giants teeing off on the Vikings defense and I also don't see the Vikings offense teeing off on the Giants defense a lot of players are coming back for the Giants on the defensive side of the ball and I think Wink Martindale puts in a really good game plan against the Vikings so I'm going to take under 48 and a half in the Giants Vikings game and my third is Bills Dolphins over 43 and a half the reason why it's at 43 and a half is basically they're letting you know that they don't expect the Dolphins to score double digits that doesn't matter to me I see the Bills steamrolling the Dolphins. If you remember last year, Josh Allen was kind of shaky towards the end of the year, but then that game in New England, 
it was basically a perfect game. They never even punted the football. I think they put up over 50 points. I'm expecting that type of performance out of Josh Allen. I'm going to go with over 43 and a half in that Bills-Dolphins game. And those are my picks. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bet safe. This is the Catalina Line Mixer. Logging out. Peace. Go Giants!